And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. It's crazy it's the final hour of the show, Wolf, because I feel like we just started the show like an hour and a half ago since we had the Monty Austin Fort press conference for a while there. And then we talked to him, we talked to Jay Williams about the Suns before we ever even got to actually talk to each other about what's going on. But uh, a lot going on today, as it turns out. Absolutely, man. A ton. Good stuff. Um, I'm going to start with this clip from Sean Payton because we didn't get to it earlier, and we're just going to kind of work backwards from there. This is Sean Payton. He was on with Colin Cowherd yesterday, and it really is a unique situation and that you have the coach that at least the perception is the coach everybody is chasing, and you have him sitting there essentially breaking down the interview process with Colin Cowherd. And specifically, he talked about the Texans job because right now he has interviews scheduled with Denver. He's talked to Houston. Uh, he's got Carolina as well. And I'm assuming the Cardinals are going to talk to him because they asked for and got permission. But this is what he said about Houston, kind of the, the forgotten team in that group. I think I know the ownership group. Not very well, but we practiced against the Texans okay. in New Orleans four or five different times. So um, Cal McNair, his his late father, um, we we'd see them, and so I don't I don't know him well, but I but I know them. We we you know when you when you practice for three days with an opponent, you, you get a chance to meet a lot of the different personalities and people involved in the building. Um, they've got really good draft capital. Really good draft couple capital. Good, couple good young players. They're in a division that you can at least look at and say, all right, Indy, Tennessee, Jacksonville is nothing. But you, you can at least, all right, how do we? So I, I think there's growth potential immediately there from their two or three wins that they had this year. What, what is Indy, Tennessee, and Jacksonville? Nothing? <laughs> Jacksonville. Sean, the, can I talk to you for a minute right now? <laughs> Sean, can I talk to you? I mean, look, that's I'm sure when you're if you're taking a job, right? Okay, you can pick where you're going to coach. What's the easiest path? Well, it's probably an easier path through that division, yes, than say the AFC West with Denver or the NFC West where you have to deal with San Francisco. One thing, the one thing I never expected Sean Payton to actually say (laughs) to her that was the one thing I was sure he was not going to rip anybody in a division. It felt like that. It almost felt like he, that was the off-air conversation. And then they were like, Sean, we all agree with you. Put the mics on. <laughs> well, you know what, Colin? I've been thinking about this an awful lot. And I thought about, my goodness, Houston. Um, they've got a lot of opportunity there. They've got a good young roster, maybe. And, boy, they've got a lot of draft capital. capital. And, oh, by the way, the division sucks butternut. <laughs> you know, that trash division, I, I, that'll help. <laughs> I just thought that was um, unexpected. Yes, it was. Uh, it was also unexpected, at least to me, to hear him speak so glowingly about the Texans' job. Doesn't mean he's taking that job. Um, but we're going to find out, I think, fairly soon what direction the Cardinals are going to go. Now, with the Cardinals, I assume Peyton's part of the equation, or at least part of the uh, the mix here for the next week, week and a half. Brian Flores' name? shot up uh, odds makers boards specifically with the Cardinals because of the ties that he has to Monty Austin Fort. Now, I, just because two people work together in a major organization doesn't mean that any time one of them gets a job somewhere, that means the other guy gets a job too. But the Cardinals already said they're going to interview Brian Flores. 
Brian Flores uh, has a history and a pass with Monte Austin Fort. He is a defensive-minded coach as well, and he's done a a fairly good job, I think, when he was given the opportunity of being a head coach. He had three seasons with the Miami Dolphins and two winning seasons with the Miami Dolphins. Now, I know it wasn't legendary by any stretch of the imagination, and it certainly didn't end that way, as we all know. But it tells me a little something right now, the way that the the Cardinals are thinking, the way that Michael Bidwell is thinking right now. And obviously, Monty is probably on the same page. It's going to be a defensive guy. It's either Sean Payton to me, or it's going to be a defensive guy. It sure looks like it. I mean, it's not like another name can't pop up. But right, right. now, all right. we're really hearing is Sean Payton or Vance Joseph, who Michael Bidwell says they're interviewing soon, um, D'Amico Ryans or Brian Flores. I mean, that's three defensive minds and Sean Payton. And yes. That looks like, hey, if we get Sean Payton, obviously we're going with Sean Payton. But if not, this is the path we want to go exactly down. Exactly right. And I think there's a little uh, magic behind the reason why they're doing that right now. They want separation. That's what I think they want more than anything else. They're head coach. I've been talking about this. Their head coach needs to be that guy. The alpha in the room has got to return. Yeah. He's got to. Well, you know Flores would be that guy. Flores will be that guy. Now that may end up turning into a very um, contentious situation if he's your coach. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe he comes in and Kyler Murray's like, you know what? This guy gets me and everything everything's just fine. Sure. But, I mean... The second Brian Flores' name is mentioned anywhere, the reaction, and it was funny, when, they, when, when, when it first went up, when the Cardinals first announced, hey, we're going to interview this guy, and you look on, on Twitter, and all the responses, pretty consistently from Dolphins fans or Cardinals fans or just impartial fans, were, boy, that's going to get ugly with Kyler. I mean, that's the perception, right? It doesn't mean it's going to, but that's the perception. You're going to bring in Brian Flores, you're going to do it his way, or... Or you're not going to be on the team. Again, now that's different if you're the quarterback because they're not going to get sure. rid of him for nothing. But, I mean, you start to get to a point where it's like something's got to give here if he's your head coach. If You know what, though? I can say this with certitude right here. This is how much I believe in what we heard Monty Austin Ford say today, based on uh, If Kyler Murray is not going to contort, if he's not going to be smart, tough, dependable, accountable, immature, if he's not going to do it. Really be the leader in all those categories. I'm just saying, if yeah. he's not going to do it, he's not going to be here. Yeah, I don't know how that works you, you mathematically. Can't, you can't say it. You yeah. can't say it publicly. You can't harp on it and say what they said today and then not back it up. You no, can't do 100%, 100%. it. 100%. 100%. You can't say that and then a year from now be having this conversation of, well, but... You know, not the quarterback. He's the quarterback. He can do whatever he wants. Now, I think even beyond saying it, the way they are approaching this coaching search, and I, I want to see who they hire, obviously, but it, the guys that they are talking about bringing in are guys that aren't, aren't going to allow him to not conform. You know what I mean? There's a lot sure. of double negatives there. But and again, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm picking on Kyler Murray. We're picking on him. But, it's everybody, but man. That's, that's, it's everybody, but he's the most important one to buy in, and those have been... 
Those have been criticisms of him in the past that I'm sure Monty Austin Fort has heard. Now, when we talked to him, we asked him about Kyler. He's like, oh, I remember him being the guy that ran all over us when I was at Tennessee sure. that started last year. But the reality is you're 100% right. You go out there and say that, you're going to bring in a coach that feels that way. Obviously, Michael Bidwell feels that way. Obviously, the fan base feels that way, and I'm assuming most of his teammates do. Sure. Kyler's going to have to not only be on board, but really be the leader of that movement. You would ruin everything if you tried to do that. If, in fact, you said, well, he's an exception, and he's an exception, and he's an exception right there. Everything else applies to you all who yeah. are here. Can you imagine uh-huh. how that would go over in the locker room? The- Horribly. That's probably one of the worst things you could do in the locker room. Pick your level of Metallica single day tickets for Metallica's M72 World Tour are on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. on LiveNation.com. Two nights, two different sets, no repeat weekends. Night one with Pantera September 1st, night two with Five Finger Death Punch September 3rd at State Farm Stadium. We come back. What did Paul Calvisi think of the Cardinals' new GM, Monty Austin, for its opening press conference? The Cardinals sideline reporter will give his biggest takeaways to us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports. Leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A big day for the Arizona Cardinals. They introduced their new general manager 24 hours ago. They didn't have a general manager. Now they have Monty Austin Fort, and he is here. He spoke to the media. He spoke to us after that. Paul Calvisi was there. I know this, Wolf, because I heard Paul Calvisi ask the question that I think you and I were both hoping somebody would ask as a follow-up, talking about uh, ego and and not not tolerating that, Uh, and just one message from top to the bottom. Paul Calvisi is here on the Arizona Sports Line. Polly, what was your initial impression today? You know, I tell you, um, I think we saw someone who's very detail-oriented. Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. Sounded like it, yeah. Yes. And if there's one thing that maybe fell through the cracks last year, attention to details, right? And little things in the NFL are big things and will cost you games. We've seen it in the playoff games. So I think that's one initial takeaway. I mean, how much can you really tell ultimately and ascertain from a press conference? But based on what others have had to say about Monty Austin Ford, including Bill Belichick himself, uh, he is a he's a grinder. His attention to detail is elite. And guess what? That is a formula that wins in the NFL. I also like the fact that he said repeatedly that he's his own GM. And that although, yes, he worked 15 years for the Patriots. Yes, he just worked with the Titans. He's going to take best practices from other organizations that he likes. But he's going to be his own guy, his own GM. Do it the way he sees fit. Which, guys, I mean, you know, the Patriot way hasn't worked and beyond Belichick and Tom Brady for the most part because, guess what, you're not Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You need to be yourself and hope that formula works in the NFL. So, guess what? That's a great Uh, point, Paul. So, those are two things that stood out to me. No, that really is. That is a great point right there. The fact that, yeah, he's going to be his own general manager. He's going to be his own guy. But um, the memory remains, if you know what I mean, Paul. Coming from that organization, those 15 years, I'm sure he's learned an awful lot from Bill Belichick and the Patriots in those 15 years. And then, of course, the Tennessee Titans. Having said all of that right now, what kind of coach do you think is going to appeal to Monty after you heard him at the press conference? That's a great question. And you heard him say he's not looking for offense or defense. But if you do go defense... 
you better have an answer for the quarterback, right, on offense. Yeah. So that defensive candidate better have a home run offensive guy ready to bring in. So, you know, to me, I'm guessing, I'm assuming that they're probably going to be forced to go more of an offensive head coach because of that. But who knows? Um, you know, obviously he's looking at the big picture. He's looking at the long term. Um, you know, and, and I think based on what Michael had to say, and he echoed as well, they're looking for a coach who's going to instill accountability. We keep hearing that word again, right? Yeah. Michael even followed him and said that's going to be an emphasis here, and that's based on feedback they got from players. So you can't fix the problem unless you're willing to identify the problem and then do something about it. I mean, look at the Giants and Jacksonville Jaguars having just won playoff games, right? Are those teams radically different than last year's teams that were miserable? Mm. The key was the new leadership, right? Yeah. And the ability to get what you expected out of that team, out of that roster. Now, both made a few key acquisitions and so forth. And But look, how many teams weren't in the playoffs a year ago? Seven of the 14 teams weren't in the field last year. And five of the 10 teams that hired new coaches made the playoffs this year. So it's doable. It can happen. And Monty Austin Ford saw it for himself. We all did. Week 1 of 2021, where Cardinals went into Tennessee and jack-stomped the AFC number 1 seed that year. So, okay, how far away is this team? What would a head coach mean? But if they can get that right, and then you can indeed get that direct line of communication between the GM and the head coach. I know talking to people, there's a lot of people on the inside who think, you know what, in any NFL organization, it's that relationship between the head coach and the GM that might be the most vital part and lifeblood of any winning team in the NFL. That's one of the reasons why, Paulie, I say it all the time. The most important hire that an owner is going to make is a general manager. It just is. Because he's the guy that's going to hire or be involved in hiring the head coach. He's the guy that's going to bring the players in or or draft the players. He's the guy that's going to be assembling the team. I think it's the most important hire that an owner is ever going to make. You've got to have that copacetic relationship between the general manager and the head coach, or I don't think it works. And was it not interesting to hear him say, and I'm quoting now, we're going to change the process. I have a system I believe in. Yeah. That's interesting. What does that mean exactly? He went on to say that he's going to use traditional aspects of player evaluation. He's also going to use analytics and those sort of methods. But to me, that's where I think his quiet confidence kicked in. You know, he's humble enough to say, I've never been an NFL GM before. I'm going to lean on other people. But when he started talking about player evaluation, talent, and personnel, to me, he just exuded a quiet confidence. He was home. And competence. That he knows what he's looking at, he knows what he's doing, and and guys, you know we've talked about this. You know, look, if there's one thing he can do, if he can identify players and bring in playmakers and difference makers, obviously that's the best thing any general manager can do is to bring in those guys who just make plays. Talking to Paul Calvisi, uh, Polly, you know, it, it, certainly for the last week, it has looked like Michael Bidwell is is ready for some serious change, and he's fed up with the way things went, specifically last season, and I think we. All all are. Um, so I guess my question to you, and I don't know, expect you to have a definitive answer to this, but when you look at Kyler Murray and you look at the culture that they are attempting to build here now, do you think it's going to be a scenario where they're going to build this culture around Kyler Murray or you build it and then you hope that he fits?
fits in, you help him fit in, you whatever, you he has to conform to what they're doing. Yeah, I get the feeling it's the latter guys. I, I really do, more so than ever. And and I, I get the sense they're going to come in, and this is the culture, and this is the way it's going to be established. And guess what? He's not going to probably be the starting quarterback for the first X number of weeks of this season. So, you know what? That's going to be instituted in large part without him. Mm. That's going to force him yeah. to conform. I mean, are you going to ask the whole team sometime in October or November to all of a sudden just morph into Kyler's way? No. So I think it's going to be established minus him. Maybe in some ways it greases the skids a little bit more, and it actually makes it a little bit easier to institute a lot of this change. No, that's a good point, Paulie, right there. What about the scouting department, Paul? Did you actually have the opportunity to talk to Monty at all in regard to it? I didn't hear it asked in the press conference, but did you actually hear it? Are they going to make changes in the scouting department going forward? Forward. And if so, to what degree? I think that's still a great unknown. Somebody sort of hinted and danced around that question towards the end of the press conference. I don't know if you guys carried it in its entirety. And, you know, he didn't answer it directly. I know there's a lot of people who think, you know what, it's really tough to change out an entire personnel department between now and the draft. If you're going to see significant changes, a lot of times it comes in May and June once you get through the draft. But, yeah, that's, I mean... There were a number of members of the personnel department who were in attendance in the press conference. I'm guessing they're as curious to know as anyone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that is a great unknown. But when he says, you know what, I'm going to change the process. I have a system I believe in. Is he going to want different people to run that system? I, I think that that is definitely to be answered. Or can you go ahead and actually train people to run that system? you got to be a believer. I don't well, know. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. And you know what? Here's a guy who worked from the absolute ground up. He started as some sort of intern, and then he went to area scout, and he just slowly but surely kept climbing through the ranks. So he knows every level, level of a personnel yeah. operation NFL team. So, I mean, if there's anyone who hopefully can teach it and then also can appreciate the ability to change from team to team and position to position, you know, it's someone who spent 25 years doing exactly that. Polly, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Polly. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Right, that's Paul Calvisi joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. It is January 17th. The Suns can absolutely trade DeAndre Ayton now if they want to. Will there be any suitors? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It was pointed out to me during the break, Wolf, by uh, Scott, who basically runs the company. That was Case Keenum who threw that remarkable touchdown to Stephon Diggs, too, that one year. So that wasn't it. Kirk Cousins' one playoff win wasn't even the memorable one. It was just... Wait a minute. He also beat the Saints. You're talking about the Big Cheese, Scott, or also known as Showtime? Is he known as Showtime? Yeah. You didn't know that? that? No. Scott Sutherland? I feel like I should Showtime. know that he's known as Showtime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's Scott. huge, man. Learn something new every, every I day. I can't believe he brought that up. See, he wants behind the mic. That's his, that's his <laughs> that, problem. That's what you think? Okay. He wants behind the mic, yeah. Well, he's also right. It was. It was Case Keenum that threw it. So <laughs> I figured it was worth pointing out since I was absolutely uh, giving Kirk Cousins more credit than he uh, needed right there. Um, we're going to go to basketball here. And we're going to talk DA because we are now past January 15th. I, before we get to the DA thing, though, 
Jay Williams brought this up. We had him on in the eleven o'clock hour, and he, we're, you know, asked him about how weird this is—the whole Jay Crowder thing. Jay Crowder's comments last week, Kel Bridges' comments. The Suns have won what five of their last twenty-two. They are paying Jay Crowder, but not trading him. All that stuff, and, and he said, "Yeah, look, it's weird." But he also said, "Like sometimes you got to draw a line in the sand, and then you got to stick to it." And that's an interesting way to think about it. Maybe the Suns behind the scenes, we still don't know which side it was, if it was the Suns or Crowder. And Crowder's comments last week made it even more confusing because he blamed both sides, kind of. Um, maybe they just decided, look, we were not, this is the line in the sand. We can't go back on it. And to a certain extent, I agree with that if you're going to take a stand. But where I think they've messed up is you've got to kind of let the fans in on what you're doing you yes. know because now you're losing every night you're losing every night yes. <laughs> you've lost nine of your last ten like you're in terms of the last month you're one of the worst teams in the NBA and you've got a player sitting there that you're not trading and you're not playing and it kind of goes back to the way last season ended where it was just like oh it's internal like it, Suns fans kind of deserve some sort of explanation as to what's going on here other than just well Booker's hurt so we're suddenly the worst team in the league one of my biggest takeaways from talking to Jay Will, though, was about his answer to DeAndre Ayton, where I said to him right now, when I say DeAndre Ayton, what do you think of? And this is what he said. Okay, sorry. Jeez, I have, I have a lot of emotions around it. Um, I think of a guy who is extremely talented. Um, I don't know if I think of a franchise guy. And the fact that the fact that Wolf, I would tell you, I'm not sure. Doesn't that kind of say something? It's right there. There it is, right there. That is Jay Will, of course, um, on the show a little bit earlier, and he was talking about that and just saying, you know, really, if in fact you've got to think about it, doesn't that say it all? And honestly, that is an NBA analyst that is a guy who is a national talk show host. That is a guy that knows the game and knows the intricacies of the game. And yet that is his answer. And I don't think he's alone in that regard. And yet I look at D.A., I love D.A. I think he's gotten better. I really do from when he showed up. But this is year five. From when he showed right up. Now. Do you think he's gotten better since he got paid, though? Man, no. I think he's he's pretty much the same. He's kind of having it's different sports, different guys, different personalities. But in terms of, like, got paid, did they get better? It's kind of similar to Kyler, where it's like, okay, still a good, good player on your team. Yeah. But he's not getting better. Yeah. He's he's leveled off yeah. right now. And you know what? His rebounds, that bothers me. Like, again, uh, speaking of the last game against the Grizzlies, man, the fact that he played 30 minutes and he had five boards. I, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't. I'll never understand that. When you're seven foot, you got a 40-inch vertical, and your arms are, are tree limbs. I, I don't understand Sometimes I get it. The the ball comes off the rim, just bounces the wrong way. But anybody who's working hard to get himself into a position right now, I, I just don't know how you you would have five boards in thirty minutes of play. I just think where this this becomes a lot more His real. Rebounding is down all season. That that's that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and again, it's be, you got paid. 
You know, when when you spend the first couple of years of, of of Da's career, and Suns fans are arguing, oh, we shouldn't have taken this guy, or oh, yeah, you got to give him you give him some time. He's going to be really good. He's, he's a unicorn. There's not there's not big men like that out there. And then the pushback is, do you really need a big man like that in in 2022, 23, whenever? Even when they drafted him, I didn't think you did, but whatever. That was sort of the argument back and forth. But that is all. That's all kind of looking in hindsight, right? This guy got drafted. Should we have taken somebody else? That, like, I get it. It's a conversation, and I get it's a source of frustration, but that doesn't really impact how you're going to run your team going forward. Now he's been paid. You have a new owner that's coming in that's going to assume that contract. He's gotten paid. He got everything he wanted in terms of getting a max deal, and he's not getting better. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily of the mindset of you've got to trade him. I don't think it's necessarily that. I just, A, don't know that you really can trade him for anything of decent value. I think you got to figure out a way to get more out of him, and I don't know that they have the answer. Yeah. You know, and once again, too, um, it's very interesting to me because, of course, people are blasting me. Well, Kyler Murray's the same wolf. What are you talking about, Kyler Murray? No, it's not. It's it's something completely different, as a matter of fact. Kyler Murray, he's gone to two Pro Bowls. He has. Voted by his peers. Okay, did he level off last week? Oh, yeah. He leveled off this year in a big way. There's no denying that. Took a step back. It's got work to do. But again, don't don't act like Kyler Murray has not gone out and put together good seasons because he has. So let me ask you this. Maybe this should be a poll question for us. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Ayton, your your number one overall picks, right? Which one of them, or both of them, or neither of them, are still going to be on these teams in 2025, let's say? Because it's starting to feel inevitable that D.A. isn't going to finish his career with the Suns unless unless these guys get healthy and they go on a crazy run in these playoffs this year. I, I'm honestly starting with to believe that. With him at the center. With him. It. Basically what we saw two Literally. years ago. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah, I, did. No, I mean, he was, he was so big when they made it to the NBA Finals. He was a huge part of that. He absolutely, it wasn't just like, hey, D.A. was on the team. He was a huge part. He was a yes. huge driving force. Huge. But I almost feel like at this point he's been paid. He's not getting better. The team's not winning. It just feels like change is inevitable, and I don't mean in a week, but I mean like in this off season, or maybe even you know the following year, unless with him as a big part of it, they go on a crazy run this year. That's just my opinion. That's obviously, can they're I, not sitting there saying they're going to yeah, do that. Can I also say this? This is what I really wonder about and worry about too, because again, I'm a DeAndre Ayton fan. I am. I think as a dude, he's a really, really good guy, and he's really talented. He's going to go out there. He's going to post 2012, do it all night, all day, all night. Going to go out there and fall into 2012. And see, that kind of is the problem with DeAndre Ayton, as we all know, because there's going to be some nights you need him to go 30 and 16. And he does from time to time, but it's a rarity. I wonder about D.A., and he doesn't strike me, this is just me, as being one of these guys who blocks everything out around him. It is capable of blocking everything out. He doesn't strike me as that guy. And you're going to hear of deals, and deals that are coming, and deals that are going, and whether or not you're involved in the coming and the going, and how much that is going to bother him. That's what I'm I'm wondering if we're seeing it right now to some degree with DeAndre Aiden. 
It's a fair question. I, I think a lot of a lot of his production it, it has sort of become apparent over this year. He's not one of those guys where everybody around him, the, the roster around him, gets depleted, and all of a sudden his numbers go way up. It's more like when everybody's playing well, he also plays well too. Which, you know, if you're trying to win a title. That's not a bad thing if any of your other guys are healthy, but other than Mikel Bridges, none of them are. Uh, all right, we come back. Uh, we'll get back into football to wrap up the show. Monty Austin Ford had his introductory press conference today. Uh, we'll get you a reaction to some of what he had to say there. And when he joined us afterwards, that's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Tuesday afternoon. Steve Burns and Gambo wandering around, so they'll be in here at 2. The first, basically, 45 minutes of our show was the Monty Austin Fort press conference, which we took live today. And then we talked to him after that, Wolf. So we, we've heard a lot from him. You know, look, he's, in terms of, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're driving around, I don't know how much you probably knew about Monty Austin Fort before this weekend, right? Or maybe you did some research last week when his name popped up, but you probably didn't know much about him two weeks ago. So today was really our, our chance to to get to know him. And then he also spoke to the media, not like in the press conference, just the media scrum afterwards, which we didn't carry live. So I want to play a couple of those clips. Uh, one of the questions inevitably was, have you crossed paths with Sean Payton, right? I mean, you, we all know you have ties to Brian Flores. Any sort of ties we don't know about with Sean Payton? I have not. I obviously have watched from afar and seen the success. Sean Payton's a phenomenal coach. He's had a lot of success in this league, but have not... Um, have not crossed paths with him. Okay, what do you take from that, Luke? Well, I want to ask you this. Do you think the chances of them getting Sean Payton took any sort of hit when they fired it, or when they hired a GM yesterday, because that was part of the package that was being presented, right? Sean yeah, Payton I think it in. did. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think it did because, again, uh, the Arizona Cardinals were the one team that was out there that had their head coach vacant and their general manager vacant as well. There were vacancies there, man. Yeah, That's, that was kind of my reaction. And then the more I think about it, it's not like there is another team with the GM spot open, though. Basically what you just said, but from a different angle, right? It's not like, well, now the Cardinals have a GM, but Denver doesn't, so they have the edge. Now I just kind of think it levels the playing yeah. field in that regard. So I, I don't think they're like out on Sean Payton. I would like to hear like there's an interview scheduled and it's happening yeah. at this day at this time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he just said right there, he doesn't have any specific ties to him. He doesn't need to for them to hire him, but... I don't know. I, I would say I felt like there was a better chance they were getting Peyton on Friday going into the weekend than I do right now. I don't think there's any doubt, though, just listening to Monty Osenfort. I want to say Osenfort. I'm sorry, Basin. I want to say it so badly. Osenfort, when it's Osenfort. Um, you know, for me right now, though, I, I loved what he was saying. He was laying down the vision of this organization going forward, this organizational alignment that needs to happen from the top down. He was talking about the what. He was talking about the strategy. He was talking about culture, this organizational alignment. And that filled me with hope. 
because that's exactly what I think they need going forward is that strong culture, that identity that says this is who we are. This is how we do things around here. Anybody that has listened to me over the last 20 years on the air, I can tell you right now what I just said is not going to be a surprise to you. This is how we do yeah, I know. I just this is how we do it. It's just a huge part of any professional team, especially when you get a bunch of hyper-aggressive alpha males inside of an NFL locker room. Luke, it's critical. It's a must. You either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that goes wrong when you don't have it. And I think the Cardinals would testify to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anybody within the organization that's like, well, do we really have to change that? I think it's pretty clear to point to last season and be like, 4-13 um, and 13 in the last two months were just pure misery. Yeah. Any, anything's on the table. You know, maybe you don't have to change everything, but everything is on the table if you have a good reason for why to change it and a good path to how to actually make the change. Now, Monty Ostenfort talked a lot to the media. Uh, he had the media scrum, and then he also joined us. And we got in. It's funny. You know, it's only a 10-minute interview. I, I, we could have kept him for an hour. I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to ask him, but we did get to ask him uh, about how difficult it is to find a player that doesn't bring ego in above everything else, right? I mean, there was that unified message that he talked about and how important it is to have guys that value team success over individual egos. This is what he said. Well, and I think that's that's the goal of, of our scouting process. That's the goal of the research that we do. We do a we, we do an evalu- a thorough evaluation on on obviously the physical components of, of what a player can and can't do, but we also do a thorough evaluation of, of the makeup of the player and, and really what, what these players are about, what makes them tick, and, and, and what's important to them. Because ultimately, um, you know, there, there, there's a business component of it. We're, we're all here to win, and we want, we want players that are, that are focused on, on the ultimate goal of you know, winning, winning the NFC West and advancing in the playoffs and, and ultimately hoisting that Lombardi trophy. And that's, that's the, the main goal. And those are the type of players that we're going to strive to, to build our team with. So there, there is an important distinction to draw here, right, of this guy wants to win and this guy wants to do yeah. whatever it takes to win. Everybody wants to win, yeah. right? Are you going to do what it takes to actually win at this level? Smart, tough, dependable, accountable, and mature. You can see it on tape, Ace and Orleans. You can. You can see all five of those things on tape. If you watch the tape, <laughs> if you watch a player from snap to whistle all game long, by the end of the game, one game, you're going to be able to say, you know what, these are some conclusions about what I saw about this kid. Is he smart, tough, dependable, accountable, mature? Is he or is he not? Now all of a sudden you stack two games and then maybe three and four and all this tape that you're watching, it's reinforcing everything that you want to see on this team. And then all of a sudden he has a game where he isn't very smart, tough, dependable, accountable, mature. What are you going to do about that? How do you how do you vet that? How, how do you justify that? Because that will tell you whether or not you you're looking at something you want to see because you love the kid and you don't want to see that. If you just ignore one game, what does that mean? 
Now, not everybody from time to time is going to have a bad well, game. But how do you respond? But when you watch, exactly, when you watch enough tape, you can tell. You can tell that about a guy. Just watch the tape. That's how you vet it. Uh, There's one guy out there who is not even taking it easy. Ron Wolfley, the special teamer for the NFC, went down, took on a couple of blocks on the way down there on that kickoff. Even though it means absolutely nothing, Wolfley was really busting it to get down there. He is the special teamer. This is why he's here. I mean, look at it. Look at the, the high knee action, the arm pump. He's just looking for somebody to run over. And it's Rufus Porter. There they are. Well, the two of them are there. That's why they're there. They're special team players. It's a long run. It sure is. <laughs> so those are the guys the Cardinals need? What? Oh, that's no, we'd have great stuff. special teams, cool. Mel. We would. You want to kick off covered? Check. We'll check that. How box. many of those five smart, tough, dependable, uh, accountable, mature? How no, many? Don't those? worry about it. Okay. <laughs> right, please. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. What a win. We've got, uh, well, you can't question that. We've got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Holding number 24, decline, first down. Number 24 was holding on that field goal attempt. That's Wolfley.